Greetings, and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Podcast episodes also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia. Send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. That's PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. Today, we're excited to be joined by Dr. Omar Abubaker, Chair and Professor of Oral and Facial Surgery at VCU Health, for a wide-ranging conversation about his advocacy efforts to combat the opioid crisis, Medicaid expansion, and a new Virginia Dental Association campaign urging Virginians with oral pain to seek dental care rather than going to already strained hospital emergency departments and more. So over the summer, Virginia's adult Medicaid benefit took effect, availing thousands of adult Virginians access to needed medical care. As you know, Dr. Abby Baker, Virginia previously expanded Medicaid eligibility for low-income adults in 2019, and more than 500,000 people have gained coverage under this program, with Virginia hospitals covering the annual share of state costs to make this possible. From your perspective, what does this expansion mean for overall community health in Virginia and for adults that previously couldn't seek dental care? Maybe, but... 15 years ago, when Governor Warner increased the reimbursement for dental care for children by 30% over a span of two years, one year went 10% and one 20%. So literally in two years, reimbursement for dental care for children went up 30%. And I went and went in association with the VDA, tried to do the same thing that we do now, which is encourage the public, encourage more importantly, encourage dentists to accept Medicaid because of the changes. But even then, the utilization by patient is lower than what you expect. And so it's almost like you have to educate the public to utilize the services and let them know the availability of this service, but also lobby for dentists to accept because reimbursement for Medicaid services provided to people who carry Medicaid is lower than that of the commercial as expected, of course. And we're going to say the same thing here. We want to have the public aware so they don't go to the emergency room, but we also want our colleague dentist and oral surgeon to accept Medicaid, adult Medicaid, and I think that's a tough thing. So the utilization of that, you know, opportunity in our commonwealth is probably not going to be as 100%, but it's going to be better than the previous history with the children. And the reason I tell you is that here in the School of Dentistry clinics, and we provide all services, specialty as well as general dentistry, we have 2,500 more uh, appointment, Medicaid, adult Medicaid appointment in the three months from July until September. And now that, that's not even to the end of September. That's to the 24th of September. So even if it's for the three months, so that'll be July, August, and September, that's 2,500 visits, more appointment than we had before, which is actually 40% increase from the year before. So we see in 40% more Medicaid patients, adult Medicaid patients than the year before. I suspect that might translate into 10,000 additional appointments in a year. That is significant change. I mean, when you go from, you know, not zero, but, well, zero, because we didn't have any Medicaid covers, to 10,000, that's a lot of patients and a lot of points. So that meant the public are becoming aware of it. The public, the people who qualify for Medicaid are utilizing that insurance once they get to it. And not surprisingly, because, you know, when you have a toothache, the only thing that holds you from not going is not being able to afford, you know, to go. And the patient you see, I mean, I'm in the clinic at least two days a week. And most of the people who show up, you could tell that they have neglected their care for a long time. And like you said, because there are 500,000 people who qualify, 
I suspect a lot of people are going to be coming over the next few years to have good dhaka. And it will save uh, the Commonwealth money because, like I said, the money that's spent in the ED, you know, kind of lack of revenues for the hospitals, lack of, of care for the patient that they and sometimes come in and have an emergency infection that they have to no choice but to be admitted to the hospital and cost a lot of money. So it's a it's a long story. Fortunately, it's in the end of it, there's going to be a good one. There's a good ending to it. It is inspiring to see the Medicaid expansion. I feel like it's something that nobody ever thought was going to happen. Yes. To be honest with you, we never thought it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I think I really, you know, think that is a foresight from the governor and from the legislator to know the real story of what's going on in the emergency room with all the people that come in with a toothache to the emergency room unnecessary. And I think they did they did the public favor, they did the hospital favor, they did the entire Commonwealth population favor. You can imagine. I, mean, I have people that look like they had not been to a dentist for 10 years, I mean, literally 10 years. And, of course, now they have an opportunity to come in and have the dental care completed. Do you wish you could focus on practicing medicine without all the distractions? Covaris is here to help. As a leader in medical professional liability insurance with more than 45 years experience, Covaris provides insurance protection with data-driven predictive modeling to help you mitigate the risk of claims. By combining insurance protection with risk analytic services, you can reduce distractions and focus on improving clinical, operational, and financial outcomes. Covaris is reinventing what you should expect from your medical professional liability provider. Find out all Covaris can offer you at Covaris.com. That's C-O-V-E-R-Y-S.com. Insurance products issued by Medical Professional Mutual Insurance Company and its insurance subsidiaries, Boston, Massachusetts. So during the intro, we mentioned your work as both an academic and clinical leader at VCU Health. I'm curious, can you tell us about a typical day in your professional life, how your duties are divided between instructional work as a professor and the clinical work you do and the conditions you treat? Uh, it's an interesting question because in the academic life, no two days for the five days a week, assuming that I'm not on call because if I'm on call, sometimes I come for emergency surgeries or emergency trauma, but, but for the five days a week, and no two days are alike. Like Monday, I spend the entire day supervising the students taking care of patients. It's a clinical day, so I'm literally seeing patients. We see anywhere between 15 to 25 patients. And this are not just seen, this sort of procedure, have a tooth pulled, have two teeth pulled, sometimes multiple teeth pulled. So that's Monday. Tuesday is my practice day where I see my own patients. And I have students with uh, residents with me, now students. So this is a practice day that I see all the way from simple things like having somebody had a tooth needs to be pulled to major things like somebody had a tumor in their jaw or their jaws need to be fixed because it's kind of a crooked jaw or, you know, underbite or overbite. Or, and then on Wednesday, Wednesday, that's my uh, administrative days, meetings, 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 you know, all kind of meetings. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I'll have time to, to do some academic work. And then Thursday, I'm in the operating room doing major surgery, stuff that you don't do in the office. So literally between 8.30 until about 4.30, I'd be doing one or two surgeries. Uh, this is in the operating room, in the hospital, like any major surgeries that you'll see. And then Friday, sometimes I see patients, like cleft patient for once a week, uh, once a month, and then also academic day, Wednesday, mo- Friday morning, Friday afternoon. I have, I see patients. So you can see that it's a mixture. You know, if you look at that half full, it's not boring. I mean, I, I don't have two days alike, so every day is different. If you want to have half empty, then you get, you know, exhausted because you could 
pulled in all kind of directions. I'm a chairman on Wednesday and half Friday, and I'm a clinician on Mon- on Tuesdays and Thursday, and I'm a teacher on on Monday, so, and, and it's fun. I mean, I, I'm, I feel blessed to have that kind of opportunity because, you know, you do provide the care, you teach the students, and, and then you help, you know, provide leadership. It's all, it's a mixture of everything. I look at it all as a service. I know I thanked you in the beginning, but I'd like to say thank you again for making the time to talk to us because, I, I mean, that sounds so incredibly busy. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. You know, uh, I think, I think listen, public relations and uh, media is the way for us to reach out to our patients and to our colleagues and to let people know, know what we're doing here on a daily basis. Uh, thanks for giving me that opportunity to voice our, you know, this issues that we talk about. I, unfortunately, you can't advertise say, come here, you know, if you have a toothache. It's not like we're not there yet. Uh, but I think podcasts like this, and I'm a podcast uh, addict, so I listen to podcasts, uh, all kind of podcasts. I never heard yours, but I'll probably listen to it. Yeah. If you send me the link, I'll listen to it. Definitely, definitely. So for the benefit of our listeners, you've been a crusader on addiction issues and combating the opioid epidemic, work that has been informed by the tragedy of losing your son to an overdose. So you partnered with BHHA and the hospital community on this important work, which resulted in a series of new state laws being approved to address this issue. While progress has been made, we also know that one of the side effects of the COVID-19 pandemic is that more Americans than ever say their mental health has been impacted. Last year, when most other hospital service lines saw decreased utilization, mental health and substance use treatment services saw increased utilization, and federal data indicates last year was the deadliest year on record for drug overdoses. That's correct. I know this is a big question, but what are your thoughts or observations about the way forward? Oh, my God. I mean, I think, believe me, I go and talk about it all the time. The way forward is to educate and educate and educate. We have to accept addiction or substance use disorder, which is uh, part of the spectrum. Addiction is only the severe form of the uh, substance use disorder. Substance use disorder spectrum from mild, that nobody knows about it. You know, somebody drinks every day, but they don't have any problem. They're not, they're not considered addict to severe form, which is person like you see and die an overdose. That's addiction. All this had to be taught the same way in medical school and in biology classes and in biology classes in high school and middle school and in dental school and pharmacy school and nursing school, it had to be taught along the same line of teaching about diabetes and heart disease and cancer. Once we think about it that way, then patients would accept the fact that they have a disease and not stigmatize to go and seek care for it. The root of the stigma attached to this disease, and the stigma prevent people from going seeking the treatment, it prevent people or make people judge this patient when they come in. And all the things that we do now, our treatment of the symptoms are not treatment of the disease itself. Once we know more, and we need to do more research on, on addiction, we need to do more research on substances that are used for pain but better than cause addiction. And I think we have to also come up to research on substances that are addictive more than others. The root of it's protecting young people from exposed to the drug. So your question is a very good one. People ask me that all the time. My views on it, and after I'm looking at it and studying it and talking about it and reading about it, it has to be on so many fronts. It has to be societal. You know, society has to accept it. Society has to participate in it. It has to be in the curriculum everywhere. And we have to talk about it, honestly, everywhere, including churches, including, you know, schools, including synagogues, everywhere. It's not... It's an issue that is not talked about it enough because it's stigmatized. And I think 
we think about it in parity with other diseases and we teach it everywhere like this, then I think, you know, we'll make some headways. But to be honest with you, I'm not optimistic. It's like this is a flooding, so to speak. And what we're doing is trying to save people out of the middle of the flood. In the meantime, we're not preventing things that cause the flooding. You know, the things that cause the flooding is the f- fact that addiction is not being treated uh, the same way as other diseases, and it's not being viewed the same way as diseases. So it's kind of, you know, not an optimistic view of how we're going about it right now, because we're just treating people. People literally showed up or show up in the emergency room with an overdose, and they get saved, and they get treated, and then they send back on the street. And it's like you have a diabetic patient who, you know, have a diabetic crisis and, and you give them the insulin, give them, you know, whatever you need to give them to treat their diabetes and now they'll feel better. And you send them out without telling them that you need to follow up with the doctor. Here's the doctor you need to follow up with. And we do that with with overdose all the time and people overdose over and over. You would think we have a common sense that if somebody overdose once or twice and three times, you need to kind of look into a different solution other than just treating the overdose and it's was wonderful to, you know, they save somebody's life. But the society had not faced this issue the way it's supposed to, and medicine has not faced the issue it's supposed to be. And until we do that, we're going to continue to have overdose. And if it's not opioid, it's, a, it's amphetamine. If it's not amphetamine, something else is going to come up. They're all the same thing. Amphetamine, opioid, alcohol, these are all, they cause the same problem, related to the same condition, but are just different substances. And we have to look at the root of, of all these things. And the one we had, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't hear fentanyl. You hear some other substance, maybe heroin or, or cocaine. And we got over that. And then, you know, now we find ourselves in prescription medication. We got rid of that. And now we got in heroin. And we cannot get rid of it. But we overcome. So most of the people die now are die of fentanyl. And it's like... Because they put rules and regulations and, and laws to control prescription medication. Most of the overdose death are not from prescription. And then became heroin. And then, oh, so we got all kind of things tied on heroin. This, most of the death moved from heroin to fentanyl. And now we're fentanyl. And once we figure out how to fix the issue of fentanyl, something else, it's already coming, beginning, becoming to like a stimulant over the, I mean, cocaine and, and amphetamine. So the going forward, it has to be radical and look at the way we view disease and the way we treat it. We have not we have not taken enough steps to do that. Thank you so much for that. That was really, really insightful. Well, now that we have tackled the formal stuff, I do have a few lighthearted questions to give listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work you do. So first, this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario that you can anticipate your final day on Earth, what would your last meal be? My last meal? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter. I want it with somebody that talks about, you know, deep issues that affect our society. It's really the, not the meal itself. It's the company that's our meal. You know, our meals are, as we're a human being and, and we use food sometimes as a social structure. So I would rather have the meal and, and I'm trying to watch what I eat because of my age. So the meal itself is not as critical as the company that would have on the meal with me. I absolutely love that answer. I, I don't think we've ever gotten that before, and I really love that. <laughs> so to close us out, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival kit picks? So the book. I mean, there's some, uh, there's a book that I read, um, that I think 
I don't mind reading game because I read it over a weekend. That's how good the book is. It's called When Breath Becomes Air. Uh, that's a book that is look at the at medicine from the view of a patient who is a doctor himself. That is the my favorite book. My favorite movie is Patch Adam. A doctor's mission should be not just to prevent death, but also to improve the quality of life. That's why you treat a disease. You win, you lose. You treat a person, I guarantee you, you'll win no matter what the outcome. Have you heard of that? I haven't, no. It's a Robin Williams uh, movie about a physician who actually finished his medical school here at Medical College of Virginia and, and went on to do charity work the rest of his life. And so the movie is kind of around him. It's a Hollywood version. But the movie is an incredible movie about physicians and medicine. You know, so that's the movie. Uh, what's the other one? Podcast? Yeah, album or podcast. So I listened to two podcasts, and I can't make up my mind. I, I listened to one more than the other. One is called Freakonomics, uh, which is a wonderful. It, it tackles issues of life in a very different way. And the other one is called Hidden Brain. I love that. Uh, both of them on public radio station, which I am very loyal listener and bad listener because I don't give enough money to them because I probably should be charged like $100 an hour or something. Yeah, so this is the podcast. Uh, you know, um, oh, I was going to tell you, the book that I want to read, and I just heard about it, mm-hmm. uh, it's called Second Mountain by uh, David Brook. I just heard him talk about it. And I spent the whole week, I just listened to one of his TED Talk, it was seven minutes. And then I said, i got to read more. I gotta, you know, I knew the guy before, I'm from a public radio station, he used to have a show, uh, uh, TV. And then I said, oh. So I went on YouTube and listened to everything that uh, David Brook had. Uh, it's called The Second Mountain. And I'm, I, your, your audience uh, probably would uh, have to Google that book. Um, <laughs> I cannot wait to read that book. I just downloaded it yesterday. And I can't wait to, to read the book. But the one I read, loved it, and I don't mind reading it. It's called When Breath Becomes Air. Awesome. Well, thank you. I've, I'll have to check out that movie. Um, it sounds really good, and I love Robin Williams. So You, lo- you, you love Robin Williams? You love this movie. It is just incredible. It's funny. It's serious. It's drama. It's everything that you want. And, of course, it's about medicine, uh, especially nowadays medicine. That's what it is. So that brings us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. And we want to once again thank our guest, Dr. Abu Baker, for joining us today. So thank you. Thank you.